0: S. Co. and use my code divine healing by d to sign up and find sponsors that's Co. referral code divine healing by d good
1: luck before we get to simona and our talk about narcissism i thought it would be kind of good to talk about what it is, list the main traits, kind of talk about also the spirituality behind narcissism. And I don't think it's been really talked about in that sense. So I'm going to talk about it here. So according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the nine traits of a narcissist are a grand sense of self-importance, preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success power brilliance beauty or ideal love and then the belief that they're special and unique and can only be understood by or should be so they have a lack of empathy for others an inflated sense of importance a deep need for excessive attention and admiration they have perpetually troubled relationships they have these preoccupations of fantasies with unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, ideal love. They have this belief that they should associate with other special high-status people or institutions. They need excessive admiration. They have this deep sense of entitlement, exploitive behavior, lack of empathy, envy of others or belief that others are envious of them and a demonstration of arrogant and haughty behaviors or attitudes. So the problem here is that narcissists can be magnetic and highly skilled at attracting people. If they are attractive people, that is also something that kind of drives that. So their charm their charm can be seductive, their charisma can light up a room, their comf- confidence can be comforting. It's why so many people just fall into this trap of dating them. And they're smart people. So their seductive traits are the ones that block our ability to detect these red flags. And they can play into our vulnerabilities and egos. And we're going to just get pulled so deep in. So some signs that you might be dating one because I think this is something that if anyone is listening to this episode, it's probably because you're either dating one or you've dated one. Lack of empathy, manipulation, projection, they're emotionally cold, they constantly gaslight you, they never take responsibility, they're controlling, grandiose, and infidelity. So my opinion on if a narcissist can love you, it's no, I'll get into that deeper with Simona. And... When a narcissist goes silent, what does it mean? The silent treatment of a narcissist is almost like this self-defense mechanism. When they are threatened according to their psyche, they will play their cards and want the other person to retrace their steps. What are their weaknesses? Because we're giving them a lot of power, aren't we? Yeah. So they run the opposite from gratitude. There's this messed up idea that gratitude is a sign of weakness for them. So they're giving up control over you the moment they express their gratitude. So he or she may think they owe you something out of duty if he or she is grateful. And I also asked Simona, what do we do with on? Do we ignore them or do we um, confront them? But what happens when you ignore the narcissist? Narcissists and sociopaths tend to choose empathetic, kind-hearted, generous, over-giving, altruistic people as targets. So if you ignore one and deny them their source, they might become enraged and try even harder for your attention, especially in ways that that can be toxic or abusive. So when you ignore one, you kind of enrage them because of their egos being so fragile. They'll feel humiliated and lash out against you to protect themselves. So those are my thoughts on if you ignore one. But do they forget you? Hmm. Because we certainly will never forget them, right? No, they don't forget anyone. They're just going to replace you with a new supply. You're not really a person to them. You're just an energy source. You're just supply. So there's a huge difference between forgetting someone and then not wanting someone back, though. So the spiritual background of narcissism is... We're going to talk about an energy field. So, the narcissist's main strategy is to attack the emotional vulnerabilities of the target and open these holes in the target's energy field. So, that will provide them an ongoing source of nourishment. So, the primary motivation is securing their energetic food supply, and negative attention is equally effective at fulfilling this need as positive attention. So the thing a narcissist hates the most is to be ignored and marginalized. So they're so desperate for this energy that they will commonly feed off the life energy of their own children, which is going to lead to anxiety disorders and or PTSD for their children later in life. So if you're dating somebody and they have tons of anxiety disorders and PTSD from situations, they very well might have a narcissistic parent so narcissism and the abuse are learned behaviors they're passed from generation to generation from parent to child the child learns from the parent and feeding off the life force energy of others is the way to meet these emotional survival needs so once this child agrees which is usually unconsciously to this pattern it can will control most of their future behavior So when the narcissist will attack you, the hole is open in the energy field of this target, right? At this hole, the psychic tentacles from the narcissistic attach insert its suckers. So they're pulling energy from the target to the narcissist. So once they're deeply implanted in the wounds of the target, gaslighting will start, defamation of the target in the community will start. It's going to just create further hurt. So, which will release more emotional energy for the narcissist to feed on? And so, in a shamanic terms, the dynamic is called soul stealing, and the narcissist is a soul thief. So, it's different from soul loss, which is like a result of this byproduct of trauma, but soul stealing involves the intentional taking of life force energy from another person. A lot of people want to know how are narcissists made? right? I think that's a valid question to ask. How do they come to be? So when a spirit reviews the several lifetimes that are available to them, they don't have enough info to really assume any of these lives will include narcissism. Um, but an experienced spirit, an old soul, will probably be more likely to realize that a particular lifetime might present this challenge in the area. So example a spirit is finishing up their life review at the end of one lifetime and they're trying to select lessons needed for the next one when they're ready to come back they make a request of the creator or the source and the creator gives them several lifetimes to choose from they might guide them but at the end it's the spirit's choice of what to pick uh, they'll probably be given a bunch of lifetimes but these lessons in those lifetimes probably might not be specific to narcissism. They're gonna give, they're gonna be given information: who are their parents gonna be, genetic histories, location, what their like early childhood environment is gonna be, look, gonna look like, and this like rough outline of life. From this info, they can choose the one lifetime that they think will best meet their needs. So, some traits of narcissists can be helpful and a spirit might select a lifetime with those in mind. Suppose they have been chosen some lessons that will be best learned in positions of leadership. So, the lifetime they believe will give them the best chance to do that might also have the potential to produce a narcissist. Does that sound familiar to you? I'm sure it does. Spirits have to make the most of the lifetime they choose even if it turns out differently from what they have hoped. So, if a spirit's human self turns out to have NPD, they would learn from the challenge of trying to influence that life counter to inclination and they would learn more about human psychology. So instead of really living a life that will help other people and will help the world, that the lesson in the life they will learn is about human psychology and how the mind really works. So that's basically the spiritual meaning behind narcissism why they come to be and let's get to simona and i talking about it so there are actually four different types of a narcissist and the first one is that they are grandiose so a grandiose narcissist is often charming attention seeking and arrogant in their mind they really are better than you their characteristics include superficiality and a high need for attention and validation. They are envious of others and will use tactics like gla- gaslighting and stonewalling to keep you off balance. Fail to give them attention or to adore them and you will be discarded. They lack empathy for others. So this is the most common type of narcissist. When we hear narcissists, we basically acknowledge them as grandiose. Next one is covert or vulnerable. The vulnerable narcissist draws you in with a sob story. They can appear anxious and vulnerable, they tend to be passive-aggressive, self-absorbed, angry, and argue for their right to be seen as a victim of just about everything, anything. In their mind, the world just doesn't recognize how awesome they are, and to protect this false self, they will exploit others, lash out, and blame others for their poor behavior. Next one is malignant. Uh, malignant narcissists are far worse than self-absorbed and self-conserved narcissists. They see the world in black and white. You are either for them or against them. They must win. And if they need to hurt others to do so, they will. They don't really care. They don't care at all. They can be sadistic, coercive, highly manipulative people. They resent being inconvenienced and lash out easily when they sense feeling slighted by others whether it's real or imagined. Then the next one is communal. Communal narcissists seek admiration from doing good deeds. They may even lack empathy for those they appear to be wishing to help. They need to tell others about their donations and volunteering efforts because their goal is to control how others perceive them. They have found a way to exploit a cause for the sake of their own image. And then there's something called having like a level of healthy narcissism so it is healthy to have a self to honor yourself and love the self you know respect yourself but not at the expense of exploiting others healthy people do not lash out blame or victimize persecute or even argue for the right to justify their emotional physical verbal sexual mental or financial abuse so healthy people are admit when they're wrong apologize for being rude or arrogant And then do all that they can change. Okay, so here's a major question. Are narcissists self-destructive? Narcissists are the most
0: self-destructive people on earth. They would rather be completely annihilated by their victim's response to abuse than admit they wronged that person in any way resolving the conflict. They are also self-destructive due to their extreme paranoia. So they are manipulative and do bad things to people. So they always assume others are manipulating them and trying to screw them. They're constantly on the defensive, perceiving an enemy in every single friend and an insult in every bouquet of roses. So in playing so much defense, narcissists end up unnecessarily playing offense, attacking friends and turning them into enemies. No one will encounter more self-fulfilling prophecies in life than a narcissist since they're always projecting doom gloom negativity
1: and bad intentions that is what they're going to get back so the narcissist alone pays the consequences of their stubborn inability to accept responsibility for a problem
0: and their failure to address their own destructive paranoid thought patterns they are the king or queen of self-destruction but they will
1: blame all the destruction on someone else Okay, so let's talk about the narcissistic family. The reasons for family dysfunction can vary. A lot of the time, the parent is either drug addicted or an alcoholic, and those are easy to spot. And in a an healthy family, the parents are emotionally self-assured, and they live balanced, dynamic lives, they're busy, they have friends, they have healthy relationships, they have a network of support around them. They choose to have kids naturally. Um, They're also equipped to nurture their children and to support their children's growth and differentiate and gain their anotony. So healthy parents are empathetic enough that their children feel secure in their attachment and they have enough healthy shame that the children grow up with high self-esteem. So they rely on honest communication to establish order in the house, just not being tyrants, right? But when we look at a narcissistic family, these parents have long-lost touch with their true self and they're living through this false self. So for the parent who's narcissistic, the family represents two things, a status symbol and an entity which they have at their disposal. So what should be a nurturing and loving structure and intended to raise healthy children instead becomes a well of narcissistic supply so in such family the needs of the narcissist outweigh those of everyone else and the spouse and children must serve the narcissistic parent their thirst for control and supply lies neatly under the you know veil or the wall or face mask of a loving family so they're gonna relish in the position of power next uh, for this structure to function the following guidelines must be followed the narcissistic needs of the narcissist come first and foremost the needs of the children or spouse must never limit the narcissist or threaten the image or reputation of this family so rather than plan how to best nurture and raise their children into independent adults the narcissist will ponder what role each person can play In bolstering their own grandiose image. So, what is this going to result in? It's going to be this shuffling, suppressing of needs that ensures the family gains a dysfunctional balance, which is going to satisfy the narcissist. Anything that threatens that balance or threatens the narcissist must be crushed without exception. The family image. Each person's role will depend on two things. What kind of grandiose image the narcissist is attempting to maintain and what the family member can offer. This image of a narcissistic family is usually disguised beneath the following image of a happy family, what we usually see. The happy family is an image the narcissist needs to bolster their reputation in public, which means the children must be perfectly well behaved at all times. Because the narcissist is not in touch with their emotions, they make no attempt to fulfill the emotional needs of these children, but will still expect the image to be upheld. Resentment and dissatisfaction are not tolerated. Image of success. The narcissist values success, so the children will be expected to succeed in everything they do in this covert narcissistic family this expectation exists even though the parents make no attempt to teach their kids to lead this way the children are left to fulfill the expectations of a parent who's only obsessed with their own false image this parent will lead the way and expect the child to keep up and exceed their expectations anything less than 100 percent is a failure Whether you receive this acceptance and approval depends strictly on your ability to serve this ideology of the family. You're going to be measured on the following. What role can you play? If you can play a role that serves the ideology of the family, then you will be valued and you will receive acceptance and approval. Like if you have high grades and that's what the narcissistic parent needs to look successful, you're going to have high grades and you're not going to stop at anything to get them. Simply being the well-behaved child and not causing any inconvenience for the narcissist can also win points. If the child is being quiet, not causing trouble, they're labeled a good boy or a good girl. The youngest child can win points for just being the youngest. And also, if you are the best looking and you have a narcissistic parent who is usually very vain, that is also what they want. You cannot be anything less than drop-dead gorgeous. Second, how well you sell the image. If you represent your family wonderfully in public, you'll be given points. By appearing happy in front of others, it reinforces the family's reputation and helps conceal the real agenda of this narcissistic parent and the misery of this family. Any member who is unable or refuses to reinforce this ideology will be punished through being ignored, verbally or physically attacked, and ridiculed. You will be emotionally abused. Being valued for some things but discarded and tacked for other things creates a lot of anxiety and tension for this child who only just wants the love and acceptance of their parents, but in the end, they just have no idea of what it takes. They are completely unaware of the narcissistic agenda of the parent or that they are just this pawn in a game. When you are a child, everything is a matter of the heart. For the narcissist, everything is a matter of your image. So... We're going to now talk about the roles of a narcissistic family. The drama of a narcissistic family is like a stage show. Each person plays a part. Typical roles are as follows. An enabler. This is usually the spouse or one of the daughters. The enabler tends to the basic needs of the narcissist and helps put on this happy front. The enabler also makes excuses for the narcissist. Ultimately, the enabler wants the narcissist approval and acceptance, which they only have a chance of getting it if they play nice. When the enabler is not actively helping this narcissist, they're expected to orbit and remain by their side. This helps the narcissist maintain a feeling of grandiosity and control. So think about the spouse who is labeled... The biggest sweetheart, nicest guy, nicest lady, doesn't say anything, doesn't make a peep, that's the enabler. Then we have the golden child. The narcissist will seek out a child to mold into their own image. This is usually the oldest child, but it could be the second. It depends on the talent, attractiveness, ability, intelligence. Basically, what is the agenda of the narcissist? Um, The golden child grows up believing they are special when in fact they are just groomed into the image of the narcissist. The gold child will be the one that everyone just picks on because they think that they're the best and just nothing can stop them, nothing can beat them. They're better than all the other siblings and they may try to boss them around. Then we have the surrogate parent, the ignored surrogate parent. The narcissist is usually too preoccupied with themselves to cater to the needs of all children. And usually the enabling spouse is also too preoccupied. So if there are multiple kids in the family, the narcissist will designate one child to play surrogate parent. Their child adult will be expected to cater to their younger siblings and all their needs. And they're going to be held accountable for their well-being and behavior. To fill this role, they're going to have to suppress their emotions and they'll grow up to be overly disciplined and rigid. Just imagine the person who just seems really uptight um, one day. They just can't take it anymore and they'll just explode. That is the surrogate parent. Then we have the scapegoat. Uh, the scapegoat is the person that the narcissist will dump their frustration and disowned rage on. They're usually the second oldest or the most outspoken kid. And probably labeled the problem child and they'll be put down really badly at any chance uh other kids in the family may follow the narcissist's lead and unwittingly dump their rage and shame on the scapegoat then we have the poor old lost child any children who have not been designated the role of golden child surrogate parent or scapegoat will be neglected and encouraged not to rock the boat they grow up with a sense of not knowing who they are or how they fit in this world And this just burning feeling of shame and inferiority, that is the lost child. Then we have the mascot, which is usually the baby, the youngest. They're the joker of the family, providing comedy relief and makes the dysfunction of the family. And sometimes these roles may vary. Okay, now what are the consequences of a narcissistic family? By designating roles for each person, the family becomes a cutthroat scramble for survival. Each kid is left fighting for scraps of attention and approval from their narcissistic parent. Newsflash, they're not going to get it. This creates the belief in each child that love is a competition and getting it depends on this role. The reality that love is a source of acceptance, sharing, nourishment, it's completely lost on kids in a narcissistic family. They're living in a dictatorship and it's just disguised as a happy family. So what is the damage that could be done? Let's start with the two obvious, anxiety and depression. Uh, The reinforcement the child receives from the parent is much like gambling. Unable to consciously grasp the agenda of this narcissistic parent, the child feels like they are being rejected and rewarded randomly. This creates a lot of anxiety for the child. This approval is what gives them the sense of safety and wholeness, and they continue just to play this game. They're going to become addicted, remain addicted, anxious to gain love, falling to depression and shame when they don't get it, then starting the cycle again. Emotional suppression, which is very dangerous. It could lead to a lot of terrible serious illnesses later in life. The emotional needs of the family member must be suppressed so as not to affect the fragile balance of this narcissistic family. This is painful and stunts the ability of the child to thrive and to love and trust others, therefore creating problems in relationships, problems in health, and energy healing can be really great for it. Low self-esteem, unable to ever really get it right, each member of this family will have an inferiority complex the lost child is left feeling neglected worthless and the scapegoat is left full of rage and shame and then wrong beliefs about relationships they will grow up thinking that relationships are about which role you play being in constant competition and that love is a limited resource which you must earn through your actions and then last but definitely not least is lack of trust Intimacy is a battlefield for the child of narcissism. The child, who keeps opening up their heart, but is rejected without knowing why, eventually stops trusting this parent and just mistrusts, just pours and pours out on their daily life. The path to love becomes too frustrating and the adult child creates roadblocks to intimacy and closeness. This leads to enormous complications into relationships when they reach adulthood. The dynamic of the narcissistic family becomes deeply engraved into the child. As they grow older and leave or flee this dis- uh dysfunctional family, they will unconsciously gravitate to other structures which remind them of their family, playing out their role all over again, only in a new environment. The new structure will be based on the same principles of the narcissistic family. So at the end of the day, if you do not receive treatment for how you were treated in your narcissistic family you will suffer in your health number one second in your relationships in your careers and the best way is counseling energy healing is great for it and ask for help when needed because many people are dealing with narcissists on a day-to-day basis and do not know how dangerous it could be Because my soulmate and twin flame episode did so well, and this is the episode for narcissists, I thought it was really important to talk about what a narcissistic fake uh, twin flame is. And there's a few signs that I'm going to list that will tell you about it. And we're going to start with the first one. The first one is that they make you feel like you're living in a toxic deja. If you spend too long with your friends at dinner or you receive this hey how are you text from someone the narcissist doesn't like or trust you're just gonna have the same nasty fight over and over again. It's the same thing non-stop. They're going to frame their jealousy and controlling nature in a positive light and portray themselves as the real victim and say things like, I just worry about you, or I just love you so much that I want you all to myself, or uh, don't tell everybody else this. You can tell me everything, but don't tell anybody else that that is a big sign of a narcissist. They know how to manipulate people. All your friends are seeing a completely different person, and often they won't believe you when you describe the toxic behavior. And abuse you endure from this person number two is you feel like you're working overtime to pull out their emotional side you'll tell yourself things like oh you know they've been cheated on or they've been hurt so they just they're taking it slow it's only natural they'll open up soon you're doing all this emotional labor and they're completely emotionally unavailable sometimes you're gonna think you're have this emotional breakthrough with them but you're just gonna be entering this emotional void again it's not gonna happen and number three they keep you at arm's length uh false twin flame will have a dozen legitimate reasons why they can't commit and they're all a load of crap okay they're too busy to give you the attention you deserve they still have feelings for their ex um somebody is sick in their family they have to take care of them it's very common they make you the bad guy they antagonize you if you try to push them to commit okay number four is you're making excuses for their crappy behavior they treat you like crap right but you still make excuses for them in your mind because you so want to badly believe that this is your twin flame in the beginning they put on such a good front and the connection seems so real but it was fake it was a masquerade okay if you find yourself being treated without kindness or love walk away it's not a twin flame reunion. number five they're seeing other people major red flag here don't tell yourself oh you know they're young or they're a free spirit who can't be tied down they're using you and everyone else they're seeing or if you've caught them cheating and they claim polyamory their your first inclination might be to join their love tribe to avoid losing him or her you might be hey you know I'll open up to an open relationship but think hard and deep about what you're gonna get yourself into. Narcissists who claim to be polyamorous are simply using it as an excuse to keep an ongoing string of lovers at their back and call. Number six, what they say and do are two different things. They'll do anything to keep you engaged and attentive. They'll tell you that they have all the same hobbies and love all the same books and music, but their actions are telling a different story. They're completely lied to you. Their words and actions will always be aligned. The unconditional love you give isn't returned. When your partner makes mistakes big and small, you try to talk it over, work through it, move on. That's what people in healthy relationships do, right? Yeah, but this isn't healthy. When you make a mistake, no matter how small, it's going to turn into a five alarm fire. Okay, next one is they sound like a completely different person around others. They'll be one way with you and then in front of other people you won't recognize them they'll be something else they'll suddenly develop all these hobbies that you never knew that they had okay because they need people to like them and not just like them they want to be worshipped and admired and loved and just thought so highly of they're not who you thought they were they probably don't even know who they are they're shallow nine they bring out the worst in you true twin flame is going to bring out the best in you They'll say things like, you'll do better next time, great job, and I love you no matter what. That's something you should hear. But narcissists will love bomb you. This veneer of support will disappear, and they're going to start showing the worst qualities. You're going to lash out, you're going to hurl insults, and then just stoop to their level. They're going to tell you that their behavior is part of love. It's not. Number 10, you're constantly trying to live up to their unrealistic expectations. They're gonna, a true twin flame is gonna support your best qualities and build you up. A narcissistic false twin flame will set a bunch of unrealistic expectations that you'll never be able to live up to. That's the whole point. They want you to become consumed with pleasing them. The point isn't to actually please them, it's impossible, it's never gonna happen. The point is to keep you in this state of fear, trying desperately to keep the peace. 11. This relationship has consumed all of your energy. People are going to look at you and say, are you sick? That's how it will be. Okay? Uh, You're going to feel sinking feeling. They're going to isolate you from your friends and loved ones. And it'll be miserable. Number 12. You're giving up parts of your identity to match theirs. This is very common. Your interests, goals, hobbies, values, opinions, ideas, other relationships, gone. Say goodbye uh they're gonna erase your identity they want you to focus all your energy and values on them number 13 this is my absolute favorite because i'm all about boundaries you've completely abandoned abandoned your boundaries they are gone some people are duped into believing it's cute to share phone passcodes and erase bathroom boundaries no that's not cute at all removing boundaries like this does not mean you're on a different spiritual level than other folks who are in romantic relationships the narcissist wants you to feel physically attached to them like you're this extension of them because that's exactly how they view you so those are 13 signs of a false narcissistic twin flame i hope this gave you some clarity
0: So for a little extra gift, I've uh, created a narcissistic meditation to help you heal from any kind of abuse you've suffered from a narcissist. Um, It's been inspired by a few that I have listened to and discovered from different healers and life coaches. So it's my take on it. Hope you enjoyed. I hope it helps you. Um, You can try to do it every day until you feel a bit better. Once a week should help as well. So I hope you enjoyed it and you can let me know your thoughts. So I have created this meditation to help you heal from narcissistic abuse. Um, Please make sure that you are not operating any machinery or vehicles and you are in the comfort of your own home and you are relaxed and you are calm. So let's begin by taking three deep breaths and then exhale. And now through your nose, slowly exhale slowly through your mouth and bring your awareness into the bottom of your feet and feel the bottoms of your feet. And then notice how your mind becomes strong and you may have some tingling sensations or pressure or just your simple awareness building. And feel it through your ankles, your calves. Just focus on your body and your breath. And then notice how your mind has the ability to go. Notice how you control your mind. And you are in the driver's seat of your own life. Bring your awareness into your lower back, the bottom of your feet, and become very mindful of the nerve endings in your skin and the experience. Just feel the pressure against your bed, how your back feels. Bring the awareness, focus, feel your skin healing, notice you become aware of everything. Bring your awareness into your shoulders and feel your shoulders. Feel the awareness in the top of your head. Feel the back pressing against the bed. Notice the way your head feels. Bring your awareness to the top. Feel your skull. Feel the... Awareness of the nerve endings in your skull Relax the muscles around your eyes and how your brain listens to your command feel that Your body is in your command every cell in your body is in your command Relax the muscles around your mouth and notice how willing the body is to please You are the captain You are the director, and you are the master. Narcissistic abuse is about understanding and re-educating ourselves about trauma, the perceptions we've stored in our subconscious minds, our worth, our solidity, and all about ourselves. The ultimate truth sets each one of us free. Free keep breathing in and out and at the moment of our conception we are qualified Okay, we are not the moment of our conception when two become one when two entirely different cells miraculously emerge become one organism the ultimate truth has been clouded over your childhood programming your dysfunctional families of origin by alcoholism, by domestic violence, by verbal abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, sibling abuse. Now, we are releasing all of that. The truth is difficult to see. It could have been an innocent child born into a dysfunctional family. It could have been suffering with dysfunction, abuse, and you've been born into a family. Authority is the narcissistic party, and codependency is addicted and self-absorbed. It's easy to forget. You've been around people who have been cruel, sadistic, withholding, advantageous, mentally ill, you are a miracle incarnate go back to that child that you were and show it love and give it love you may have grown up feeling invisible you seek validation from outside but we are on the road to recovery of the abuse you don't feel because your existence has never been validated the existence was supposed to be validated by the authorities in your life we're entrusted with our design bodies and minds and we're supposed to nurture us and help us feel about it but if you were born to a narcissistic mother or father when you were adopted into a family of narcissists or you're fostered into them it is impossible to remember the truth that you are in When you are explosive to the narcissist, you are unaware of the feelings that you have about your narcissistic abuse, that you love or should have been given love. It's withheld from you, it's not given. No matter how much loved you are and you can, it has never been returned. When consistently it's not returned, you'll separate from others. You'll feel disconnected from others should feel abandoned rejected worthy invalid no matter how hard we try to flow more love it simply never returns and now as adults as you're listening to this you try to heal those wounds we are caught in the pattern the narcissistic abuse child you're caught in the cycle believing we need love to show who we are we have forgotten that we are loved we're stuck as believing that love is out there and there We attract energies because being only from a narcissistic environment, that is what we are used to. That is what we accept. We're unaware that we're seeking lost opportunity to finally find the people we love so much. Narcissistic abuse healing requires to to reorganize this data and check and make sure that we should not tolerate it anymore and accept it. Even though narcissists can reject us, blame us, insist that they can change as we can not because we are strong, you will defeat this narcissist. Even though they can be cruel and intentionally hurtful and to others they may seem seductive and appear harmless, you know the truth. You are on your way to healing. This will require us to develop new muscles, especially psychological ones, and we will be emotionally set free from all narcissistic abuse. Healing from it will help us, give us the opportunity to face the dependency that we needed before from them. Narcissistic abuse requires us to do our own reality of others. It requires that we learn to honor how we feel, to avoid seeking other people's permission to shield. It's time to remember your truth. It's time to see your bigger picture. If you have been abused by one, it's time to cut the cord. Imagine a cord connecting from your heart to the narcissist's heart. And now bend, o- bend down and reach these powerful scissors and cut that cord. Cut that cord. They are abusers and rejectors, and they have no ability to have authentic empathy for others. Their measure of you is how you could help them, and how they can suck your energy out of you for themselves. As you move forward, you will need to remember. Of your experiences you have to ask yourself how do I feel it's really important to begin connecting to the sensory body because we have been actually tuned to the emotional body of others but we have to connect to ourselves it's time to re-educate to increase our own psychological combatants to honor and find the Sun to Develop compassion and empathy for the summer, for every winter that comes by, every spring, every season. You have to bring compassion and empathy all the time, help you heal and recover. You will have the focus and attention to give yourself. What others think will not matter to you. You can choose to stay in this or relax, or you can choose to wake up with your fingers becoming more alert. And now take the deep cleansing breaths in through your nose and exhale through your mouth. Be aware of the sounds you make as you wake up. And just picture yourself and see how calm and detached you look from the abuse. And I hope this meditation gave you healing. And I wish you all the best of luck. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you are struggling with the after effects of narcissistic abuse, I really encourage you to to seek help and seek a trained doctor and get therapy. But I hope this episode helped you in some way for healing. Because sometimes, you know, we can heal the mind, but it's hard to heal the soul. So I hope I provided some healing for the soul.